Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. We're here chatting to you after the French Grand Prix and it was all right. Actually, I'm going to go even better. It was a great race. And it was the French Grand Prix. I truly shook her. Anyway, Max Verstappen taking the victory to open up an 11-point lead in the championship over Lewis Hamilton. Came down to the wire yet again between those two. Bottas and Perez involved as well. It's what we love to see. Alternate strategies. Late-breaking loves that kind of stuff. What did you make of that, guys? Well, as Harry said, je suis shooketh. That was really not what I was expecting from the French Grand Prix. He said those exact words. Um, Honestly, it was great to see. We had real fighting up front. Both teams, both drivers from from each team were fighting alongside each other. Bottas absolutely raging in his helmet, which is... It was good to see for a body. I mean, he was still the worst of the four in the end, but it was good to see him get annoyed, get a bit of fire in him. Uh, this was so much better than I thought. Um, the moment Max Verstappen fell off the track at turn one and then that undercut worked, I thought, here we go, it's going to get a bit spicy. And it did. We didn't need the rain to spice it up, which is fantastic. Um, it really turned into, it was a slow burner with a real monumental finish. I was really pleased with it. Not a waste of a Sunday. Well done, France. I think... What's happened here is that we are living in an alternate universe uh, where the Spanish and French Grand Prix are good. Um, I like this universe. It's the first yeah, time because... that's ever happened. Yeah, because in the normal universe, Monaco's a belter every time, isn't it? <laughs> all right. Not, not all yeah. things can be made great in the alternate universe, Ben. <laughs> like, come on. Is that the universe some slack? Come on. Sorry, sorry yeah, no, about that. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're absolute. I thought it was an absolute belter of a race. I mean, personal news: I was getting my first COVID jab this morning. 
um, certified member of the um, of the Pfizer chiefs now. But we're all Pfizer. The... Get out! <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> that was that was. I apologise. But as the needle was going in, I was like, "Is this going to be the most painful thing that I experienced today?" And the good news is, the answer was yes. Like it was. <laughs> you haven't done this podcast yet, Ben. True. This is very true. the The day is still young. Um, we're going to get into uh, a few topics later on. So Yuki Tsunoda had another crash in qualifying. We'll be discussing his first few races of the season. Um, we're going to be looking at Ferrari. No points today, surprisingly, after a good couple of weekends. Uh, but we will start, of course, at the front because Max Verstappen decided to go, or Red, Max Verstappen and Red Bull decided to go down a different path to Mercedes. So looking like it was going to be a one-stop before the race, that's what Pirelli were predicting. Pirelli were wrong. Seems to be the feature of the month. So. <laughs> They, it was a two-month. <laughs> it was a two-stop race instead for Max Verstappen uh, and Red Bull. Lewis Hamilton stuck with a one-stop. It came down right to the death. Just a few laps to go. Max Verstappen getting passed for the win. So, Sam, question is: Why did Max Verstappen win this race? Was it Max Verstappen's brilliance? Was it Mercedes not playing the strategy game very well? Was it Bottas not holding Verstappen up long enough? What do you think? I mean, extra, extra regal about it. Mercedes absolutely played at their own game I mean twice twice Mercedes have done that to, to Red Bull back in Hungary at what 2019 I think it was um, Hamilton absolutely played the fiddle that is Max Verstappen we come to Spain you know they can't get past boom two stop Hamilton drives clean around the outside of Verstappen again you think we, we, we said it on the podcast come on Red Bull you've had this happen before you should be wise to it and you've let it slip again who would have thought Flip side 180, we come to France and Rebel are like, ha, get him. And they've literally done the same strategy back to them. I can't believe that Mercedes fell this hard for the two stop pull off. Christian Horner seemed very, I don't know if he was just playing, you know, playing the cars after the race that had happened using hindsight, but he seemed very confident that actually his strategy with Max all along was to go for a two stop. Um, again, you might say that because it worked. Um, but nonetheless, it was a blinding call by the Red Bull strategists. And this is something we've seen that feels a bit lax, rather, from the Mercedes team. They seem a bit complacent. They seem a bit sluggish. They don't seem like they're as alert and ready to be proactive as they have been in the previous years. And I think they're nervous that Red Bull, when they do capitalise on it, can really deliver a result. Now, it was not the only factor. Red Bull played Mercedes beautifully. It was quite funny to watch them get sold the absolute dummy and uh, Hamilton and Bottas struggling around in those old, old tyres. But let's not discount Max Verstappen for a minute here. Verstappen got off to a bad start. Yes, that is true. But my God, did that man deliver a consistent, fast-paced, well-executed race. You know, he absolutely sold Bottas for a bag of chips in one corner. <laughs> and then Hamilton, who's there slaving away, bless him, he's working hard, I'm going to get to the end, I'm coming. And Max is like... Uh, never, never mind. I'll have you anyway. Uh, you know, it was it was pure brilliance from Max Verstappen. He really delivered the strategy when he needed to. It was what you have to do when you are that lead driver. When you want to take a world championship, you have to do that something a little exceptional. And Verstappen did that. Bottas also was a contributing factor. He held up Max Verstappen for less than one corner and then gets angry. I, well, you should have done a two-stop. Oh, you don't think, Valtteri. You don't say. A bit late now for that decision. So it was a real number of factors that brought this victory home for Max and Red Bull. But, my God, Red Bull on the top of their game. Verstappen drove an absolute blinder. And Bottas, of course, was thinking, no more bosses, please. You can just have it. See you later. Um, Lewis did all he can. This was a perfect roundhouse from uh, from Red Bull, and I'm really quite impressed. 
What do you reckon, Harry? Do you think Verstappen was just on another level today or, or should Mercedes have, have done something a bit different? I think the way that the momentum in this race shifted about a, a gazillion times, uh, is I feel like it's quite hard to pinpoint a, a reason behind the win. But, I mean, the first one, and Sam's already alluded to this, is how Mercedes got absolutely played by their own game. Uh, it just baffles me a little bit that that happened. Because the, it's their game... Because they owned it because they've been the car behind before, as they were in this position. Why didn't they pull the trigger and do that instead of letting Red Bull do it first? Because they were the car in front. It's not even like Max was behind Hamilton and pulled that trigger. Max was leading. So, yeah, that that's that's. Uh, I'm sure they'll be scratching their heads at this one. But they they got you know played twice. They shot themselves in the foot in the first place by. Um, by pulling the trigger with Bottas, which I know why they did it, but it still shocked me because if everyone knew the undercut was going to be strong, pulling Bottas in was always going to pull pull Verstappen in, which left left Hamilton on the front completely vulnerable from two guys who were going to undercut him. So I know Bottas didn't get him, but Verstappen did, and it was very close. But yeah, twice twice in one race for for a bit of a gaff on that one. But I think the other factor is that I mean Verstappen obviously drove extremely well, apart from the mistake at the first corner. He was pretty faultless, I think, and executed that strategy, as we've seen Hamilton do, do before. I don't know if there are many other drivers that would have been able to do it as well, um, apart from Verstappen and Hamilton. But the other factor is Sergio Perez just being a nuisance, basically. He wasn't didn't have the raw pace of that those top three, but because he was in that pit stop window, it stopped, perhaps stopped Mercedes from pulling that card. Um, and obviously, in the, in the end, by leaving him out, he got Bottas too, because he had those fresher tyres. So... Um, yeah, I think it's definitely a combination of gas from Mercedes, some great work from the Rebel pit wall, and Verstappen driving supremely well. Um, I mean, also shout out to Hamilton for holding on to those tyres in a, in a way that Bottas couldn't even couldn't even dream of doing. Unfortunately, um, yeah, excellent race all round. Go Paul Ricard. I mean, before I get into why. Verstappen won or why Hamilton lost depending on which way you look at it I just want to say first of all this is another race where Verstappen versus Hamilton has has been a factor on track it's it's happened so many times already this year and it's an absolute pleasure to watch as a fan um and long may it continue and I don't mean this in any disrespectful way to Bottas whatsoever because Bottas is a perfectly fine driver but having someone like Verstappen who is realistically the first driver to take it to Lewis Hamilton since Sebastian Vettel did just having that driver in that spot it's it's a breath of fresh air and they're having to they're having to pull out their A game every single time and I think Hamilton and Verstappen today regardless of whether Hamilton could hold on at the end or whether Verstappen got past which of course he did they were both exceptional out there Hamilton making those tyres last as long as he did. Verstappen making up that sort of 25 seconds in, what was it, just over 20 laps. It was a tall order for both of them. And ultimately, I think their greatness pretty much matched each other out um, to to literally get past him with a couple of laps to go. So before I lay blame or, or put credit, those two those two guys, and, and I think Bottas and Perez did perfectly fine jobs as well today. So I think... I think we actually saw all round just some quality racing um, and it contributed to a wonderful Grand Prix. And I was saying to Sam before we got on here, because Harry is fashionably late as per usual. Um, <laughs> no. Um, I was saying that actually outside of 
Bahrain possibly that might actually be my favorite race of the season so far uh, and that was it was that good and it was that quality racing that led to it to look at why Verstappen was able to win this race I'm actually going to say the main contributor because you're right there are a number of factors none of them are completely independent but the number one reason for me was the first round of pit stops you pit Valtteri Bottas perfectly fine decision I agreed with it but really the warning signs came a few laps earlier than that because if they were the first guys into the pits if Bottas was the number one driver out of everyone to come into the pits I would have some sympathy here but Charles Leclerc pitted quite a bit quite a few laps before Valtteri Bottas did and he pitted when he was behind Daniel Ricciardo comes into the pits and what happens there's like a three second gap that Leclerc has by the time Ricciardo comes in that should have been an alarm to Red Bull and Mercedes. Like, okay, the undercut here is strong. That that is a that is an issue for one of our drivers potentially. Bottas pits, and you should know at that point, having seen the results of what happened with Leclerc, Hamilton should have been in the next lap because you know if Bottas is coming in and Verstappen is not that far ahead of him, Verstappen is going to pit on the next lap. So you put Hamilton on exactly the same lap as Verstappen. You have to do that. You don't have an option. And basically, from that point on, you know that the undercut window is pretty large. And that's the gap you have to play with. Because if Hamilton comes out in the lead after that first round of pit stops, he can manage that sort of two and a half second gap as he was doing to Verstappen in the first stint. And then even if Verstappen does exactly what he did and pit a second time, you've got a lap spare in which you can respond to it on the next lap. And I think overall, the pace, there wasn't a lot in it between the two teams. So really, as long as you had the, as long as you had that one lap advantage where you can protect against the undercut, you would, they'd have been fine. But ultimately, because Verstappen gets out in front, you know, Red Bull made a very bold call and fair play to them. But, you know, they, they were kind of screwed by that point because they hadn't managed the first round of pit stops very well. At least that's the way I saw it. Um, looking at Bottas and... Hamilton of course we saw Perez and Verstappen on completely different strategies Perez on a one stop although he pit much later than Bottas and Hamilton did Verstappen going on to the two Bottas and Hamilton save for a couple of laps almost an identical strategy Harry do you think that it would have been worth Mercedes in the case of Bottas or Hamilton trying something different from one another I think so and like I say I think it was the it was the the nuisance that is Sergio Perez that stopped them from doing it. But I think if you know, we could see from even from the midfield, people who had pitted later than others were you know Norris by that point was flying through the field because he pitted later, had fresher tyres. Um, I think you could see that even with overtaking being difficult in at Paul Ricard, it was not that difficult if you had a, a tyre advantage. So um, I think at least with Bottas, with Hamilton, it w- it wouldn't have made any sense once Verstappen had pulled that. It was the same for Verstappen in Spain, wasn't it? It's happened now. They have to go with the other option. With Bottas, who was obviously behind, yeah, why didn't they go for it? Because he he could have been more powerful in either defending or chasing Verstappen um, in that in those latter stage, stages of the race. So, um, yeah, I'm a bit surprised they didn't do that. But I but I, I know why. Um, because there was a, another Red Bull in the way, which is exactly what Red Bull have wanted all these years. They finally got it. What do you reckon, Sam? Do you commend Red Bull for doing something different with their two drivers, or do you think Mercedes have just been caught napping here and have gone for exactly the same thing for both drivers, and it was the wrong wrong call? 
I think you have to give it to both sides. I think Red Bull deserve all the praise. They were gutsy. They, you know, absolutely pulled out a strategy that no one was expecting. The, the Perez run long. How many times have we seen a, a quotation number two driver run long and just be shafted into oblivion, being you know, sent to the shadow realm, been told that, you know what, your race, your result is not relevant. Don't care about you. We are focusing on our lead driver. But actually, Perez and that side of the garage played an absolute blinder. Perez was relevant for the entire race. Perez had the pace, and we know Perez can maintain tyres very well. I say Perez and Hamilton are the two drivers on that grid that can maintain tyres better than anyone else. And Perez did exactly that. He played himself perfectly into this race right at the end, caused constant hassle, mostly for Bottas. And this is what Red Bull have been needing. Red Bull have been needing that second driver to really cause havoc for the rest of the Mercedes team. Now... I'm also a bit frustrating at Mercedes here. Mercedes have had so long at the front that I feel like they've become a little lacklustre We're trying to pull off a gutsy strategy more regularly. And with Bottas, I know they don't want to sacrifice Bottas. I know they want to give Bottas a fair chance, which is fine. It's all well and good. But that championship is falling further and further and further away. The difference is, I don't think they have the faith if Bottas could do what maybe something that Hamilton could do. I don't know if Bottas thinks he could get past Perez on the same strategy. I don't know if Bottas maybe could challenge Verstappen on the same strategy if he was to do what Verstappen did. That is the issue here. I think there's a lack of confidence in their second driver. Bottas is not delivering the results that's needed for Mercedes. So when you pair that with Sergio the nuisance Perez, as he's now known as, um, being an absolute legend on tyres, Max Verstappen driving sub- in a sublime manner, Lewis Hamilton now having to do what Verstappen used to do previously, which is fight off two cars on his own. Bottas was good today, but he was just... Second fiddle again. He was never making enough impact that you felt like he could actually go on and achieve something. I would have liked to have seen a different strategy from the start for Valtteri Bottas. I feel like that is the only way that Bottas could have made an impact deeper into the race. You've got to split this into two prongs. Hamilton versus Max. Bottas versus Perez. And you've got to hope that your drivers can come out on top. Theoretically, they're both talented enough. We know Hamilton is capable of beating Max and Max is capable of beating Hamilton. You've got to hope that Bottas is capable of beating Perez because Perez is nestled into that team now. Perez has really started to come good and I'm nervous that he's going to start mopping up Bottas in a lot more races. We're going to Bottas' sanctuary. Other than Russia, Oscar is where Bottas likes to be. And I think this is the final proving ground for Bottas. If he slumps behind those three again where he likes to be, then I think that Mercedes are in trouble for the rest of this season. So, yeah, try something different, Mercedes. It would be great to see. feel like you might have had a bit more opportunity at the end of that race. The Bottas Sanctuary. That was about that. <laughs> <laughs> be interesting, for sure. Um, yeah, I think, to start with Perez here, I think, yeah, they, they absolutely nailed the strategy with Perez. And you could note in the first sort of five, six laps that, hang on a minute, he's falling one second behind the top three. This is a bit concerning when... In reality, that wasn't a true reflection of the pace because he was accounting for doing more laps than the other three. And I think actually on pace, he was he was perfectly fine. He wasn't on the same pace as Verstappen, but at the same time, he doesn't necessarily need to be. Um, so I think he did. I think he did a perfectly good job. And it is we we reference this a lot of the time, but it's one of those where they've always wanted it and now they finally got it. So you know, fair play to him. In terms of Verstappen versus Hamilton out front and, and whether you know Hamilton and Bottas could have split their strategies, they definitely could have. Should they have? Um, I mean, I agree with Martin Brundle on commentary here when he said, yeah, they should have done. I, I'm, I'm in full agreement. Ultimately, 
this isn't 2014 and this isn't 2015 when Mercedes were essentially worried about which which of their two drivers was going to win the championship and they didn't have to really worry about much else. This isn't that same situation. You've got Max Verstappen, you've got Sergio Perez, both of which are clearly capable and it's a two-on-two fight. It's not a two-on-one fight anymore. It's not a two-on-no-one fight as it has been in previous years. You have to step up your game and... They've been so interested in fairness of putting their drivers on the same strategies. It's incredibly rare that Mercedes will do what Red Bull did today and put their two drivers on a completely different strategy. But you feel like they kind of have to. They have to cover both bases because whilst Max Verstappen did take that race win and he did so very well, I don't actually know if it was the perfect strategy. I feel like the perfect strategy would have been to run those hard tyres another five laps possibly leaving yourself about 15 laps or so at the end of the race on the mediums I don't actually think Verstappen had the optimal strategy it was close but I don't think it was quite there I think you've got to do that with Valtteri Bottas you've got to do it was a big question with Lewis Hamilton would Max Verstappen catch him and fair play to Mercedes for not um, reacting too quickly you know they, they they took their time with it and it nearly paid off but with Valtteri Bottas, it was fairly clear that Verstappen was going to get past him. So you might as well try something. And and I know that there's the Perez factor, which might have been an off-putting thing. But if you were that put off by Sergio Perez, that is a massive concern. Because if Valtteri Bottas pits, let's say five laps after Max Verstappen or something like that, he has much fresher tyres than Perez way fresher tyres of that right I know I know Perez went long on the first stint but you would still have a much uh, larger tyre advantage compared to Perez later in that Grand Prix if you can't trust him to overtake him then you've got a problem you don't you don't trust your driver enough to do that I mean you trust Hamilton enough I'm sure Red Bull would trust Verstappen enough to do that and I actually think Red Bull would trust Perez to do that whether he would or not I, I think he would you have to trust Bottas to do that you really do um, and yeah I don't know. It was it was a it was a sign of no confidence, which is never a good thing. Never a good thing. Um, we'll go on to driver of the day, Harry. Who've you got on this one? Um, a lot of good, a lot of great drives out there today. I can't really think of anyone who is uh, really really terrible. Um, so making driver of the day harder to choose. But I'm going to go for. Do you know what? I'm going to give it to everyone's favourite Australian. I'm going to give it to Ricky Bobby because I think he had. I know he still finished behind Norris. And I think that was due to the strategy they gave Norris in the end. But he had, by far and away, I think his best weekend of the year. Um, way closer on the pace to Norris. And during the race, he was he was loving life. He was pulling moves like he used to back in the day. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm going to give it to Ricky Bobby. But there are some notable drivers. I mean, Verstappen, obviously, an obvious one. Hamilton, I think you could definitely give it to as well for, for what he did on those tyres, to be honest. But um, for the sake of variety, I'll give it to, to Ricky Bobby. Yeah, I mean, for for me, like it was so good to hear the old Ricardo back and see the Ricardo back in terms of the moves that he was making, the the energy that he had on the radio. He he can be somewhat unique with with how he is over the radio. Sometimes you find that drivers, um, I don't know, will let their driving do the talking, and I don't want to dismiss that approach. But it is good to see Ricardo on form. Sam, driver of the day for you. I also want to comment on Ricky Bobby. Ricky Bobby is his very own hype man. And if Ricky Bobby wants to 
every single day, nine to five, come over a crackly radio and swear at me through my headphones in that <laughs> excitable way that he does to his race engineer. I am all for it. That man got me pumped, and I was sat on the sofa with a cup of tea, and I was like, yeah, Ricky Bobby, you can do this. He was loving it, and it was really, really great to see. So, yes, he did it with Norris. The scratch for Norris was better, but he was properly on the pace, and I'm excited to see. I think maybe this could be the tilting point now where, different to tipping point, uh, where um, Ricky Bobby could start to challenge for those points that Norris is also challenging for. So, exciting. Uh, in terms of the of the day, I think there are two options. Um, Lewis Hamilton is definitely one of them. The way that he... There was no mistakes from Lewis Hamilton. The mistakes came in the strategy. Uh, the way he pulled those tyres out of the bag was ridiculous. You know, Bottas had um, the same strategy, essentially, and was just miles off the pace. And Lewis Hamilton just makes tyres go so much longer than everyone else. Even with his constant dribbly moaning over that radio about how bad his tyres are, he still pulls them out, and it's, it's crazy. Crazy good. But I am going to give it to the race winner. I know he made that mistake at the start, but um, it was just tremendous from Max Verstappen. He really delivered a world championship-level performance to bring that back. That's what we think and expect of Lewis Hamilton if he makes a mistake. Max Verstappen did exactly that. I was very impressed. Good to see him taking it to Mercedes like that. So, for me, only just, Maxi Verstappen gets driver of the day. Just a, just a quick question on Lewis Hamilton before I go on to my driver of the day. But we were, we were talking about Valtteri Bottas earlier and his inability to hold up Max Verstappen. Lewis Hamilton was only side by side with him in one corner and he let him go past as well. Is it not the same thing? No. Move on. He, to be fair, and I, uh, this is ironic, the person commenting on this, but I think he has a point. It was Rosberg on the Sky broadcast when I was being late to this recording um, saying they were replaying the move of the Sappen. And Rosberg made the point that he, I mean, Hamilton did defend it, but he didn't close off the inside. I know it was a, perhaps an inevitable, you know, and then, well, and an inevitability is that how you said it? That's the one. It was inevitable, <laughs> um, one. but yeah, he he didn't. He made the point that Hamilton didn't necessarily close it off quite as much as he, you know, as Rosberg is, um, you know, perhaps used to. So um, yeah, I don't I don't think there's much in that, but just interesting to note. From a non-comedic standpoint, um, I think you make a very good point by bringing that up. Actually, of course, it didn't last much longer from Hamilton's point of view. Um, the difference at that point for me is how much of an absolute dummy Verstappen sold Bottas. Hamilton was able to meet the corner. Hamilton was able to run side by side. He was able to run next to him. And then the corner that actually the overtake took place at on those older tyres is so much harder to execute quickly when wheel to wheel with something than what Bottas was able to do. Bottas had a simple braking zone to nail. He was on the inside. He had the right line to defend, at least for another half a corner of that chicane. And he absolutely fluffed it at the first sign of any offence. For me, that's why Bottas sinks a bit lower than Hamilton. It was still easy for Verstappen once he was there for both drivers. But Bottas, just with his own errors, made it so much simpler than it needed to be. So that, for me, is just why Bottas sinks a bit lower than Hamilton. I think you said he sent it for a bag of chips. It was more like a kilo of potatoes. It was. It it really was. Yeah, go start your own farm, mate. It's over there. <laughs> Kilo of potatoes. Goodness me. <laughs> Any, anyone have that on their bingo card? Well done. Um, okay, my driver of the day, I agree with the you know very impressive performance by Max Verstappen. He, of course, won the vote from the fans at large, which sometimes doesn't matter a great deal considering how it can be taken as a joke but I I think the fans in general have done a pretty good job of it today Um, I'm gonna go with someone who we didn't really see a lot of but considering this was only the 10th race 
in F1 history that has had no retirements. The fact that George Russell was able to finish 12th place ahead of a Ferrari, ahead of Ocon, ahead of both Alfa Romeos, as well as obviously his teammate and the two Haas guys. Uh, Sonoda as well, he got an overtake on him late in the, late in the race. I, you know, if, if George Russell finishes 12th place in a Williams, that's highly impressive in really any circumstance. But to do it in a race that, where there were absolutely no retirements and he was able to be legitimately on track, you know, everyone else behind him, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure what more you can expect from him. So I'm going to go with him as driver of the day today. Great shout. Worst driver of the day. Who have you got, Harry? I feel bad about this one but uh, because I think there are a number of factors involved. But I'm basing it on where they started and where they finished. And I'm going to have to give it to not-so-god Leclerc. Because he was... Um, just wasn't I think the Ferrari was horrendous on its tires today and we saw the same with Sainz, but Sainz, you know, he was just outside the points at the end, whereas the club was sixteenth. So, um yeah, just it wasn't a great I think Sainz has had the measure of him all weekend. He was quicker in practice, quicker in quality, and then quicker in the race. And they obviously picked Leclerc late in late in the day, um, for a second stop, which obviously I think makes that finishing position worse. Um but yeah, they had to because I think his tires were rooted. So yeah, it wasn't a great wasn't a great day for for everyone's favourite Monegasque. But you know, it's not a sign of things to come. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, not the best race in the world for old uh, old Charles. He's he's not he's not God today. He he's got next race to try and get that moniker back. But um, he is uh, until he proves himself again. He is Charles. <laughs> just just worst Charles. driver of the worst driver of the day. So. <laughs> well. Harry took the words of just Charles straight out of my mouth. So I'm, I'm for you know, repetition, I will move my worst driver day onwards a little bit. But I completely agree. Leclerc was nowhere and Sainz had the better of him all, all weekend. So God Sainz this weekend. Hallelujah to Carlos uh, Jr., that is. Um, worst driver day has got to be Nikita Mazepin. Or as Crofty actually called him, Marzipan. By accident, called him Marzipan. <laughs> which I love because I say that intentionally, but the fact that he did it on Sky, live, called him Marzipan, makes my weekend. Alongside uh, Stoked and Twerking, we've had some real (laughs) gems from Crofty this weekend. Um, And by gems, I mean stop forever. So yeah, Mazepin, you know, the fact that he literally shafted Mick Schumacher off the track at one point. And as we said before we recorded, Mick Schumacher had to literally drive to Barbados and back again with a chance of getting back on the track around that bollard. And he still beat him by a huge margin. It wasn't like they were a few tenths apart. It was huge. It was the biggest gap in the world. And the fact that Mazeping seems to think that he's got this chance of being successful in this sport is rapidly disintegrating. It's quite comedic. Um, the guy is just an absolute marshmallow at the back of that track, isn't he? He's a real egg. Don't let him near a car. He's useless. And he showed it again today. There you go. <laughs> On the fence with that one, Sam. Yep. <laughs> tell, us, tell us what you really think. Um... Oh, classic. Oh, I, I still can't quite get over Crofty saying the word twerk. I... It's, it, that's going to be yeah it conjures up some horrendous images doesn't it it, yeah. it does being stoked about twerking marzipan <laughs> good god god that's horrible that is horrible um my worst driver of the day i 
pinned it down to two. One of them has already been said. That's Charles Leclerc. Um, I was I was tempted to give it to Leclerc. The only reason I didn't is because we did have signs have a pretty similar descent. It, it was much worse in the case of Leclerc, definitely, but. It's not. If signs had finished P5, P6, P7, this would have been a no-brainer. I'd have given it to Leclerc. But um, the only reason I didn't is because signs dropped out of the points. However, there was another driver who was out of the points, seeing his teammate do very well in the points, and that was Esteban Ocon. So that's who my worst driver of the day was. Um, and we actually saw that the hard-to-medium strategy one-stop wasn't as effective as I thought it might be. Um, Vettel and Stroll did an all right job with it i think stroll had a pretty good recovery from where he was to be just outside the points um i think vettel did vettel did get in the points in the end so he did make a few places up but it wasn't as effective as i expected it to be but considering that stroll started behind ocon uh and vettel um sorry i'm vettel as well vettel was behind ocon at the start as well to have both of those guys elevate ahead of ocon ocon was kind of in no man's land for most of this race whereas alonso had a really tough first stint but had a really impressive second stint and, and Ocon just couldn't quite match him so I'll go with him on this one for I think it, he's had a good season thus far really but this was not a good one can we talk about Alonso by the way being Alonso again and just directing the strategy from the cockpit yeah I think plan B yeah, yeah. he's back <laughs> He literally, the way he rolls his tongue even in the cockpit while speaking is absolutely fantastic. I can't really, I sent you guys a text. I can't remember what word it was now. But um, he literally put us, there you go, struggling. He, he said, struggling. And I know that he's obviously Spanish. He rolls his tongue. He's very good. Obviously, it's very comfortable for him. But it's like he's just delivering this mosaic of words brilliantly in, in, in the uh, on the radio while driving at 200 miles an hour and beating his teammate who's just gone three year deal yeah I'm not going to bother anymore see you later um, it was great for Alonso really really great I feel like Alonso might actually be on a limited contract so he races he's agreed to race for like 20 laps per race so actually <laughs> the first like the first 40 laps of a race he's just gonna go around at his own speed does whatever he wants and then it's like his contract kicks in like okay we saw it at the end of portamao we saw it at the end of today we saw it at the end of azerbaijan he's like okay i've actually got to go and do some work here and remembers he's fernando alonso um that's just a theory i haven't got much proof behind that that will shock you i'm sure moment of the race what have you got harry um, I'm going to go for the after the first set of stops when Verstappen came out in front of Hamilton, and I know it was only just, but that um, that shocked me. I just didn't. I knew we probably should have done, but the way that Bottas hadn't it really, he'd eaten into Verstappen's gap, but there were similar gaps, so I didn't really see that coming. So it was just a mighty outlap from from Max. Um, yeah, that, I mean there were lots of moments of the race to be honest, but that was at the start of the of the. Of the the, not chaos but greatness of this race I think moment of the race Sam uh, the moment of the race for me actually comes after the race in terms of what Lewis Hamilton said in his post race interview where the words I never thought would be uttered were they were too quick for us on the straights now Honda too quick on the straights that is crazy sauce the fact that the Honda theoretically is possibly the fastest engine in a straight line now is hats off to Honda. They've absolutely turned that out. I bet McLaren are like, huh, we we went to the that engine. It didn't work for us. And we moaned about it a lot. And then 
we said it was a GP2 engine and really annoyed a lot of people. And then we went to, obviously, the Renault. That wasn't very good. And then we go to Mercedes. And that's not as good as it was now. And now the Honda's even better. It must be very embarrassing, in the words of Fernando Alonso from McLaren. I'm shocked at how quick that Honda is in a straight line. And we, we really do have a fight on our hands. Because I think that that was the crux that Mercedes could, could lean on if they were struggling. They had straight line speed. Here, they didn't, just didn't seem to have it. So, really, really intriguing. I, I got to say on this one, I, I know it was just after the race happened and I know Hamilton, of course, in the car isn't going to be uh, privy to everything strategy wise, isn't going to know everything. But I don't know. I thought the whole pace argument was a bit bit naff, to be honest. I, I don't know. I, they've both got their both cars are, are very reasonably paced. It was I think it was strategy that let them down the, today. I, I don't think that Mercedes desperately needs to find tents. I'm sure they'll try to, obviously, but I don't think it's an absolute must in order to win this championship. I, 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 was, I didn't think that narrative suited the race at all. But It is intriguing, though, that most teams made a DRS pass, but neither Mercedes made a single DRS pass on either car that they were challenging the entire race, which is just an interesting... I think didn't I think the Mercedes was well at least in Hamilton's case was I think it was the quicker car but the, they they trimmed a bit of wing out of the Red Bull as well I think because they could um, yeah which might yeah. help things but yeah anyway that's a whole other podcast I think <laughs> indeed um, and so so that was your moment of the race Sam what was your moment of the race it just did no, isn't it oh now. that was your one you don't I flustered him folks it's you, happened you, you... <laughs> <laughs> damn it. <laughs> You merge, you merge into one, you two. Um, oh, we do. I'm just trying to think how terrifying that would be. Um, my, <laughs> my moment of the race, um, I, I'm going to keep going with the moment of the race, even though I should be banned from having one for getting that wrong. But I'll... Um, <laughs> I'll go. With, I'll go with the Max Verstappen overtake on Lewis Hamilton um, with a couple laps to go because, I mean. It, it was an overtake for the race lead with a couple of laps to go. It's thrilling. And I know we've seen it a couple of times before already this season, which might have numbed people to it, but it doesn't happen that often. And it's happening loads this year. Uh, it, it's great. Like chasing down two different strategies, chance to win. AWS is saying that it will be all wrapped up with eight laps to go, <laughs> two laps to go, and it isn't wrapped up. It's fantastic. Um, How I, did I really you give them it. money? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> hey, does it? Does any who wants to be the person to go to Lewis Hamilton and say, according to AWS, you could do five percent more in your cornering? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Bezos over here is telling you you can, Lewis, with all his data I'd that Lewis, apparently oh. arrives. I don't imagine Lewis being a very sweary person, but I think that would end in his speakers. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah well, that would not F, end well. F Right, let's let's move on from the front of the grid because whilst we've seen the last couple of races Monaco Azerbaijan the, the gap between the front and the middle of the grid hasn't actually been that substantial but here it seemed as if we returned to something close to normal the front of the grid was quite far detached from everyone from fifth down um, but we'll look at we'll look at Ferrari because based on qualifying they must have been expecting a, another solid result competing with McLaren yet again. McLaren managed to score 18 points thanks to 5th and 6th place with Norris and Ricciardo respectively. Leclerc and Zines end up with a big fat zero for the first time this year. 
clearly struggling on their tyres. Sam, what did you make of Ferrari's result out there and is it a cause for concern going forward? The McLaren-Ferrari swap was very interesting because I think McLaren almost gave a brilliant recovery drive. Obviously, Lando starting 8th, Ricardo starting 10th, and they end up 5th and 6th. I think that is a brilliant result for McLaren. Um, on a track that is difficult to overtake on, I think they've done a brilliant job there. Ferrari, I don't know if we can take this as, uh, as gospel. I don't think we can apply this to the rest of the season. But the fact that they were that severe on their tyres, I think it does ring alarm bells a little bit. We have got some abrasive tracks coming up. Maybe they've just set the car up wrong. Maybe they're just underestimating how well the Pirelli rubber works here. Obviously, we need to come up with that context that Pirelli have changed the regulations on their tyres as well. They upped the PSI, which is, makes them more abrasive because the tyre is it's harder, so it wears faster. So maybe they weren't expecting that and the car isn't built for that. Um, but this wasn't great for either of them. But at least it happened to both drivers. So they know it's a, a car or setup issue they've got and got a Sainz or Leclerc problem and I think if they can work that out and they seem to be able to this year they are working well as a team I think they can bounce back pretty quickly there's a long way to go in this championship I don't think that fight for the third place in the in the title is over for them I really do think they can deliver they've got a lot of strengths that they can bring Leclerc and Sainz are a brilliant partnership and they've still got the better of Daniel Ricciardo over the course of this season so far so yes you need to pay attention to it yes you need to look at what went wrong but I would not take this as Oh God, it's the end of the world. We're never going to score points again. We're once again like the third worst car. I don't see that happening. They're just too on form this season. So get to work, but don't panic too much. I think you'll be okay. Any cause for concern in the Ferrari camp, Harry? Um, I think they, they'd they already acknowledged about their race pace being bad in terms of they're just chewing up their tyres. Um, yeah, I think it's all... It, I don't want to say flattered, but the past two races, I think, maybe have flattered their recovery somewhat. I mean, Leclerc had pole at both races. Um, but there's no denying they've made progress. But they were never going to jump to, to mid, you know, top of the midfield straight away. They definitely have pace in that car, that's clear. And they've got an absolutely solid lineup. But, um, you know, and arguably in quality, yesterday, as Sam said, Ferrari were quicker than the two Maccas. But the McLarens are so much kinder on their on their tyres. I mean, Norris, I can't remember what lap he came in on the mediums, but he must have been one of the last, if not the last, to pit from starting on mediums. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm sure there'll be some head scratching going on at, at Maranello. But you know, it was quite a high wear race for tyres, which I don't think potentially anyone was expecting. So it maybe exaggerated that downfall during the during the race. But um, yeah, the speed is definitely there, and they're you know way further up than they were last year. But they just need to learn how to manage their tyres a bit better. And it's obviously something with the car because, as we said, they both fell down, Leclerc more so, but they both fell down during the race and they didn't score any points. So as the season goes, they're not going to want to do that too many times, especially if McLaren are going to finish fifth and sixth each time because that's a lot of points to lose. Yeah. Um... If if only if only McLaren and Lando Norris had listened to Ted Kravitz, they might have got something out of this race. But Ugh. there we go. T- tough one, tough one. Squeeze the point. Uh, oh, I bet he regrets saying that. Um, yeah, I I think for for Ferrari's sake, this isn't necessarily news. Like this is something they've been dealing with all year, and I think it's just an issue that that comes up a bit more in certain races. And I think to this point, this is the race where it's hurt them hurt them the most and i think they just need to work out looking ahead which can be a bit difficult to do what 
is it going to be like at the other tracks is it going to be similar to what we saw today or is it actually going to be fine um and this is something of a one-off or at least if it's going to happen again it's only going to be once or twice more because there isn't much in it between the mclaren and ferrari i know that they've definitely got their strengths and it's very polar opposites from one another but when it's all when it all comes together all the factors come together there really isn't much between this mclaren and ferrari this year so there is the potential that this could be the decider and I think if everything else is even, I, I don't necessarily think they need to, you know, panic and completely redesign the car or anything like that. But I think they they do need to address this as soon as possible, because if we come to the end of the season and we find that McLaren have won it by 10 points, then you look back at results like this and you think, well, that's that's the issue that that's what costs them third rather than fourth. Of course, Ferrari will get £200 billion from the FIA for being Ferrari anyway, so it won't matter too much in terms of prize money, but hey, results matter too. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know what happened to Ferrari. Like I say, it's the first time they've been outside the points, so I can only assume that this issue that they've had all year has just been most affected by them today. Signs did a better job of dealing with it. Leclerc couldn't even do the one-stop, so um, yeah, tough, tough one for them. From the McLaren side of things, you know, Lando Norris you know perfected the strategy there were certainly doubts about it early on in the grand prix as it turned out it was a, it was a master stroke um and they were able to get the appropriate overtakes when they needed to daniel ricardo already agree with what's been said there his i think it's his best season uh, best season best race of his season so far um did a great job although i do have doubts whether it was daniel ricardo and i think it might have been darren in that car <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, the performance is the first time that Daniel's actually gotten in the car this season, and that's why we've suddenly seen a result out of him. Maybe it's Daniel Ricardo with a mustache and tomatoes. Darren has finally gone, All right, Daniel, I've got to go back to work now. Can you get in the car, please? And we've finally seen a good result. It sounds like Daniel Ricardo's been pulled over for speeding, and he's like, Are you Daniel Ricardo's? Like, me? No, I'm uh, Darren McLaren. (laughs) <laughs> my moustache I love Darren McLaren as an alter ego to, to Daniel Ricciardo can we get a cartoon that. series like Toomed but it's not Toomed it's just called Darren McLaren and it's Daniel yes. and Darren in awkward situations this needs to happen but yeah fair play to McLaren because when Ferrari you know Ferrari have had their issues but it was still down to McLaren to take full advantage of it they still could have given up points to the likes of Gasly and Alonso and they didn't you know they, they took I know 18 points isn't the mathematical uh, most available but realistically it was from the race that happened so well done to them um, and lastly for today just a little look at Yuki Tsunoda um, the wibbly wobbly rear wing of Yuki Tsunoda, as we found out in qualifying, pulled out another red flag after his Q3 incident at Baku um, and had to start from the pit lane uh, and ultimately no points from this race. Seen quite a few incidents from Tsunoda, of course, his rookie season. Sam, what do you make of his season thus far? I mean, he's clearly got some all right pace, but these issues, are they concerning to you at this point in his career? Firstly, before I delve into Little Yuki, if someone could just overlay uh, a nice banging track over that back end 
wobbling like that on the track. Like, ah, oh, gig it, gig it, gig it, gig it, gig it. You know, over the back of Yuki Sonoga's backing shaking like that, then I am all for it. Please send it to us at LBreaking on Twitter or Instagram, uh, Late Breaking. Please get in touch. I'd love to see it. Uh, that's your challenge. In terms of am I nervous about Yuki Sonoda? This one is the topic that's actually troubled me. Ben is very good at sending over our, our topics, folks. Ben is very good at coordinating me and Harry. If you haven't noticed, we're a bit useless. Um, and he sends over True. these topics. We have to agree whether, whether there's something we want to talk about. And usually, nine times out of ten, they are bang on. And I read this, and I went, am I concerned about you getting older? And I, I still haven't fully made my mind up. So that tells me maybe, yes, I am a little bit. Because these cars are clearly... A bit harder to drive this season. We have seen some errors up and down the grid from a lot of a lot of drivers. Alonso, Hamilton's made had troubles. Um, you know, we, we've seen the likes of Mazda spin every single race. Um, there are drivers up and down the grid that are are having their troubles, having their problems. But at the end of the day, you look at Pierre Gasly, who is up there fighting for fourth, fifth place on a regular occasion, and you look at little Yuki Tsunoda, who. Currently, can't seem to really get it in the points on a regular basis. I think it's, what, two points finishes so far this season? Uh, his first race, when maybe he had a bit of beginner's luck, and he absolutely sold it around the outside of Alonso. And uh, back at Portimao, Imola, one of the two, he got he got a points finish. I can't remember which one it was. Um, you know, I, I am expecting a little more. That Alpha Tauri is a competitive car. That Alpha Tauri is capable of scoring good points. And I think could be a threat to McLaren and Ferrari if they were to really knuckle down and get it right. Um, so, no, I don't think it's the end of the world. No, I'm not going to start saying that maybe Yuki was here too soon or maybe Yuki should be kicked out of that seat and replaced for a season. I think he will learn well this season and I think he has got the raw pace that actually, it's going to sound bad, I don't think Albon had. I think Yuki on raw pace maybe is a little bit faster than Alexander Albon. He just needs to become a bit more consistent. And then after that gets delivered, I think he could be a real threat on the track. He just needs to calm himself down. We love the little rocket that is Yuki Tsunoda. We love that fiery energy. But he just needs to deliver a bit of consistency. Um, And then I think he'll be all right. So concerned? Mm, Not properly. I'm not properly worried. But it definitely could happen if we get to race 13 or 14 and he's still throwing it in the wall, causing red flags on a regular basis. How are you concerned at this point? Yeah, and I don't know about concerned. Although I, I, starting to think, and this is um, nothing against Yuki, but maybe, maybe they should give him another year in F two. I'm not. I, I'm still undecided on that opinion. But um, yeah, I, I just get the impression he's putting too much pressure on himself. And and you know, your rookie year is for when you make mistakes. You know, we've seen Mazepin do it a lot. We've seen Mick Schumacher. I mean, he absolutely totaled his car in Monaco, and he binned it again yesterday in Quali. Um, so it's not like you know we should be more harsh on Yuki, but I think he's putting perhaps too much pressure on on himself just because of who his teammate is and Gasly is performing week in week out, and Sonoda I think maybe is just trying too hard to to match him. Um, and obviously he needs to be he needs to show that he's close, but there's no point being fast and close on pace if you're going to keep throwing it into the into the barriers you know every other weekend. I mean it's two weekends and two qualities on the trot he's done that so. Um, Maybe he was still trying to break for turn three at Baku. Maybe that's why he ended up in the wall yesterday. I'm not sure. That would make <laughs> yeah, a lot of sense, He hasn't sense, started actually. that yet. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, sorry, far too soon. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, I, yeah, I'm with Sam. I don't think concerned is the right word yet, but I think he needs to 
stop binning it soon. I think I texted my dad this yesterday when it happened. I was like, he might need to stop doing this at some point. And this, you know, the same goes for all the rookies. Because <laughs> um, you can't keep doing that. Especially if it's cool. costing you gearboxes. Yeah, especially if it's uh, costing you gearboxes, etc. Um, yeah, just, uh, I think, as Sam said, pretty quite rightly, just, you know, just calm, calm it down just a tiny bit. You don't want to lose the, the fieriness, obviously, but... Yeah, just just to mellow out a tiny bit, and I think it, I think it will come. So I'm not too concerned. But as I said, I think that don't keep doing it, Yuki. Yeah, I I think for me on the positive side of things, it's I think it's easier to iron out errors from a driver than it is for them to gain pace. I think a lot of the time when these rookies come in, generally speaking, it takes some time to get used to the car and whatnot, but. If you're quick, you're quick, and you're quick fairly soon. Um, you know, we saw not. To, I don't necessarily want to compare Sonoda to Lewis Hamilton, but you know, Lewis Hamilton when he came in, he was quick from the off. The consistency, at least to what we see from him now, it took some time, but the, the pace was there from the off. So I, I do think that crashes are easy. These sorts of crashes that he's having, having, they are easier to solve than than maybe a lack of pace which I don't think he has um, but I am concerned at this point and I know it's early on in the year and I don't for a second think that they should be you know considering dropping him or anything silly like that you know he deserves this full season in order to get used to the car but I am concerned somewhat because it's if you look at the other I know that Schumacher and Mazepin have had plenty of crashes plenty of issues I do think that Haas is a bit of a handful and I, I do cut them both a bit of slack in that respect. And if you look back at the last set of rookies, um, let's say Latifi, Norris, Albon, Russell, in their rookie seasons, did they crash that much? I don't think they really did. I, I don't think Latifi's massively error-prone. Albon, you know, we, we occasionally bemoaned his lack of pace and occasionally might be being a bit too nice on us, but he didn't make that he didn't make too many errors in terms of outright crashes. Russell and Norris, they've been fairly solid all the way throughout. I know they've had their errors, but they're piling up already for Yuki. And I do think it's concerning that they need they need to figure this out. Again, I, I, I know you said you're sort of un you don't know where you, exactly you stand on the should he have been in another year in F2. I, I'm fairly convinced he should have been one more year in F2. Um, I think he has come back up a year early based on what we, we can see, uh, which is okay. You know, Drivers develop at their own speeds. It, it, not everyone has it nailed down straight away, but uh, it's something that they need to iron out. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't put it any better than you, Harry. He probably needs to stop doing this at some point. <laughs> probably. Look, Wilkinson's is an official sponsor of Late Breaking. And Wilkinson's, if you're listening and you'd like to actually sponsor Late Breaking, we are all for it. But we like to get the Wilkinson's Bings out. And the Wilkinson's Bings have become quite full. And I don't like taking the Bing out unless I have to. So if you could stop putting it in the Bing, that would be great. For, for people who aren't in the UK, Wilkinson's is a... A shop of that sells everything, which he says yeah, it's like a it's home not even a bin shop, specialist. No, <laughs> but most UK households, for some reason, do have a bin from Wilkinsons, which See? is always strange. I imagine for US listeners, it's the same as a Target. Yeah, we yeah, might have yeah. insulted Target now. Sorry, we might Target. have actually brought them up to a new level. We don't really no. know. Wil- Wilkinson smashes it all the time. 
Big up Wilkinson. Please and if you like know. Target over there, if you ever come to the UK, come say hello to us and get down Wilkinson's. Give it a go. <laughs> this is not clarify, <laughs> if, if you are a US listener and you have experience of both, can you please let us know what the comparison please. point is? That would be really helpful for some Thank reason. Uh, I mean, before before we go today, at L Breaking on Twitter, um, we're active during race weekend. So we did ask the question, was it Mercedes incompetence that led to uh, today's result? Was it Verstappen's brilliance? We've got a few comments here. James Maloney believes that it was a poor call on the part of Bottas. If they'd split the strategy, it would have been much more difficult for Verstappen to get past. Mostly racing, saying I think people are being a bit harsh on Mercedes. Red Bull, for once, gave a bold strategy a go, and it only just paid off for them. Um, and a few others saying it's incompetence. Uh, Craig saying that we've seen both teams outthink the other once so far this season. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Couldn't agree more on that last one. So at L Breaking, get involved. Let us know your thoughts on a race weekend, off a race weekend. We love to hear it. But until our next podcast, which will be later on next week, Sam, if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here. Yeah, folks, we've had the French Grand Prix and it was actually good. Hallelujah. We'd love to hear your thoughts, as Ben just said, in the comments on YouTube, over on Twitter, Outbreaking. We're always replying. Get in our messages. Come and say hello. Why not? Um, we're going to be back in the week, of course, for the Austrian Grand Prix, part of the triple header. Austria times two. Um, if you listen to the other podcasts that we did, I forgot the name of it. It's the A1 ring, but it's not anymore. It's the Austrian Grand Prix. Uh, that's another funny podcast. If you don't listen to that, go give that a go. We've got some silly games on there as well. Um, let us know your thoughts on the race. Let us know, is Yuki Tsunoda, should we be worried about him? Are Ferrari going to be okay to bounce back? Hey, if you're listening a lot of the time and you're not, Give a little subscribe. Give a little follow. You know, like it. We really appreciate it. It massively helps us out. And it shows that you can stick around for all the fun. And if you hate us in two weeks, you can leave again. You have our permission. We appreciate it. In the meantime, and for when we get to Austria, I will be Samuel Sage. I've been Ben Hawking. And remember, keep breaking late. Alvega say... Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.